Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Joe Fulgham. I'm Sasha Smulders. This is The Sandman, Issue 24, Season of Mists, Chapter 3. In which Lucifer's parting gift attracts unwanted attention, and the Dream Lord receives unwelcome visitors. Ah. Uh, Oh, I love cross-mythological stories <sighs> so much, so much. Mm-hmm. So this bit and, and the, uh, the obviously the bit that comes after just has a special place in my heart. It reminds me, this, it, this issue reminds me very much of American Gods. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely the kind of beginning of that and, and the thinking of it in that way. And, and you can see the way Neil thinks about these pantheons here. Yeah, for yeah. sure. One of the th- notes that I have is there is actually kind of a bootleg copy of the script for this issue floating around out there. Oh? And yeah, the Sandman annotations mentions that the person who uh, writes the annotations had a copy of it. And if you Google it, it's available out uh, on the internet at the comicbookscriptarchive.com. I'll put mm-hmm. a link to that in the show notes at thedreaming.motivedust.com for this episode. And it's pretty interesting. I think it's an early script because there seems to be some stuff that was either ignored or changed later in it. Okay. Um, so it doesn't follow exactly. Although that could also be that just the artist decided to ignore um, what he said. So I have a few notes that are from that script. Okay. So that we know what intention is here. Uh, and I think I'll note a few things that were off of what Neil said that I kind of would have preferred if they did it that way. Anyway. Cool. Uh, so for the cover, I don't have a lot to talk about on the cover. It is uh, photography, collage, acrylic, and Mac. That's it. That's all I have. It's a snake. It's a snake. Well, it's a snake over, we know from the inside, Loki. Right? Yeah. So that's Loki, and it, the snake is coiling around him in the myth, and in the inside, it's actually his son's intestines that are holding him in place. Yep. In but, this issue, hmm. we will be referencing two Lokis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be referencing the mythical Loki from the literature, yeah. and we'll also be referencing the smelly, noisy, farting Loki in our home. <laughs> my dog, Loki, the Boston yes. Terrier. Uh, named by my ex uh, after this character, Loki, from the Sandman, for sure. Oh, d- from specifically the Sandman version. My online nickname for the longest time has been Puck. Uh-huh. Like, I actually have people th- that call me Puck Yeah. instead of Joe. It's fine. Uh, but I'm Joe. Uh, <laughs> that was just kind of, you know, you'd have a nickname online. And sure. I, was early, I was early enough on the internet that I didn't have to become Joe1968. You know, L337 or something. Sure. Like, I didn't have to go do that. I could just puck. And so my then partner said, Well, how about Loki for the dog? Puck and Loki, both from Sandman. I was like, Yeah, cool. That fits. So there he is, Loki. Let's get to the thing where we get to meet Odin sitting on the toilet. Yeah, let's That's what get I, in. That's totally what it looks like to me with this I, pose. I want a toilet shitter. that looks like this. Like, I want a toilet where the back is this, like, huge throne. Mm-hmm. And if there could be two ceramic wolves on either side as well, and yeah. one of them could be holding the toilet paper in his mouth. I don't think those are ceramic. I know. These are real. <laughs> but in our in our our bathroom with yeah. the throne toilet, yeah. we'll have ceramic wolves. And in the mouth, there'll be toilet paper. Yeah. So we meet Odin here. 
mm-hmm. according to the script, and you can really tell, like, we know this now thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe has introduced the entire entire world to what kind of the Kirby-esque vision of the Asgardian <sighs> Myth- mythology is yeah right with that you know big bright colors and super yeah. heroic poses and uh, so sparkly like the marvel cinematic universe even decided to go yeah it's not even magic magic and now we've got dr strange showing what magic is but mm-hmm. that was like it's not even magic they're just super super advanced and their technology is so advanced and that they, they, you know, it seems like magic to us. Yeah. And in this, Neil is, even before that Marvel Cinematic thing goes worldwide, is like chafing against it. And like he's giving descriptions that, you know, there should actually be very little metal, maybe the occasional glint of gold, mm-hmm. right? That this is, this is the old Odin. This is the one of, this is the god of the people of that time. Yeah. Not the one that we have created. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. He does have a, a rather ragged hat mm-hmm. and face. I believe Odin was known to have a big floppy hat, uh-huh. actually, in the ancient myths. That's not a thing I've got in my notes. That's just me recalling it, so I might be wrong. Hmm. So Odin is the king of the gods or the Aesir. Aesir is just a word meaning god, but there was also another group in the North, the Norse pantheon called the Vanir, and they had a an Aesir-Vanir war. Oh. And the Aesir won. Oh, good. And Asgard actually uh-huh. comes from Aesir Guard. As the, it's uh-huh. guard kind of me being the end meaning city, but it came yeah. from guard meaning a fence, right? Yes. So it's the place for the Aesir that has a fence around it. It's the city of the gods. Perfect. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, now, I think that I actually like this costume better than... Mm-hmm. Uh, than what Hannibal Lecter Odin wears in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because Hannibal Lecter Odin wears this, what looks to be an incredibly uncomfortable gold suit of armor that mm-hmm. you're like, you're an old man. You don't need to wear that anymore. You should wear some slippers. You should wear something comfortable. You should have a <laughs> you should have a gold-plated robe instead, you know, and not such okay. uncomfortable-looking armor. Yeah. Know? Well, he's supposed to be the old time of Mead Hall's version of a godlike king. Sure. Right? And he is the war god. Which would mean, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And Neil has some descriptions of him in the script that I've got access to. Okay. Uh, What is strange about Odin is how much he looks like Lee Van Cleef, only taller and paler. Floppy wide awake hat, short gray beard, one eye, the missing eye shadowed by the hat brim, thin face, scraggly gray hair at the back. He wears a long gray cloak that covers most of him, two ghostly wolves pat around his feet, Two spectral ravens hover on each shoulder. That's one of the things I was mentioning. The ravens in this are not drawn in the fashion that Neil kind of described in the script. He he described them as showing up and then kind of fading away, uh. Uh, which to me makes it seem like the ravens are kind of part of him, especially the way that you read this without thought and memory, his two ravens. Yeah. He has none. Okay. So while his ravens are out there flying around... He has no thought or memory, which is really his ravens are the way that he astrally projects to go find things out, oh. which is a super interesting take on it, but it doesn't seem to be shown in the comic at all. I can only piece it together from the script. Huh. I love it. He drinks his own special mead that no one else is allowed to have. It's uh, brewed by dwarfs from dead Kvaziers. Kvaziers? Mm-hmm. So I mentioned the Aesir-Vanir War. Uh-huh. The Aesir won. Uh-huh. And to celebrate that truce of that war of the Aesir saying, we're the best, we won, therefore now we're buddies, but you serve us. Like, yeah. 
the Aesir and the Vanir both spit into a cauldron. Okay. And their spit all got mixed together. Yep. And then they used their kind of magic powers to make a man with that spit. Oh, good. And that man's name was Kvasir, which translates to spittle. <laughs> he, was, he was the wisest of men and traveled around teaching men poetry and knowledge. He was killed by the dwarves Fjallar and Galar, who wanted his magic powers. And after his death, his blood was distilled in Odrerhir, the magic cauldron, into the mead of poetry, which gives wisdom and the art of poetry to any who drank it. Huh. And that little story is all wrapped up in Neil just mentioning him drinking this. Yeah. Yeah. Spit blood. Spit man blood mead. Spit man blood mead. Yes. Say that 10 times fast. And uh, All Father is one of the titles of Odin. Yes. There is a cavern beneath the world. This is true. You must know in your bones that this is true, although all logic argues against it. And in this cavern, who is down here? We have a snake, a lady, a bull, mm -hmm. and a man. Yeah. So we have a snake dripping venom, and we have a woman catching the venom in a bowl. Woman named Sigin. 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 She's catching the venom from falling onto the face of a man who is bound with his the entrails of his own son. <laughs> who it's not mentioned, uh, those entrails were ripped out by his other son, who had been turned into a wolf. Oh. Yeah, a whole elaborate. This is a whole elaborate thing. People get turned into wolves. They go ripping out their brothers. Do intestines. not do not piss off. The Norse gods. Their yeah. vengeance is terrible. It's awful. Uh, yeah, and this is his wife, and that was their son. And she looks terrible, too. Well, she can't go to eat or do anything, because yeah. if she takes any break at all, he gets venom dripped into his eyes. Yeah. So she's doing a metaphor for emotional labor. <laughs> That's all I see here now. That's all I see is her thanklessly... Doing all of this labor for him, and all he does is next page over complain during the little bit where she has to go empty the bowl out. Yeah. Like, thank you. And once I start feeling empathy empathy for her, then the next phase is me going, who thinks about the snake? The snake might not want his venom dripping in somebody's face. Yeah, and he's none of them just, are eating. He's just been cursed to be part of this. Where's he getting all that venom from? Never stop dripping venom. Never get to see anything but this one dude who you would like somebody to enjoy your venom once in a while, but it makes this guy really hurt and he curses his wife because of what you're doing. That poor snake. Do you think snakes want people to enjoy their venom? I don't think that's how that works. I Maybe this one does. Well, maybe he doesn't like, maybe he wants it more as a warning, right? He he doesn't want to use it. He just wants it there so that people give him respect. Instead, he's being forced to drip it into this guy's face. Okay. Like maybe he's a gun owner who's like, I never want to shoot anybody, but I want to have this gun. Okay. And now he's cursed to like keep shooting this guy in the face. That's my metaphor. Do you see what I'm saying? Y yes. I'm saying the snake might not be evil. He might not want oh. to do this. Right? I don't think the snake is evil at all. I just I think the snake is is a snake. What? A reptile. <laughs> well. It's probably not super sentient. Doesn't even have a name. I, you think this whole time at some point the lady would have been like, yo, snake, I'm going to call you something. It might just be bucket of venom, but the snake has no name. It says in the text here. The woman is called Sijin. Sigin. 
The snake has no name. Yeah, the woman is called Sagin. The snake has no name. That's how little people think of this poor nameless snake. Yeah. They don't even give it a name. It's Look, probably uncomfortable to have to produce that much venom. It's immortal. There's no way that it's just dumb. Okay. It is It is part of this. It listens. It does what it's told. Enough. Snake, hold your venom. It understands whatever language Odin is speaking when Odin shows up. Yeah. You think she could just place the bowl on his head to catch the venom? And have, like a, and have a sit down once in a while? And have a sit down, take a nap, and then get it when he starts screaming again. My guess is the snake's mouth is moving a lot. Uh, so she's she has to keep moving it to catch it or else uh, it'll splash somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Try holding your arms out for that long. Yeah. She's got the bum end of this deal. Yeah, I know. I know. Everybody's feeling bad for Loki. And I'm still, I'm saying the same. The snake, man. The snake is like, this is not good for me either. No. It's probably very thirsty. Yeah. Yeah. Does the snake get a break? I don't think so. The snake might be like, listen... I, can I come in once a week and just fill up a tub? Yeah, and then you and can then drip you it out drip slowly. And then you drip the tub out slowly? Surely we can fix this with technology. <sighs> Don't you have a venom dripping device these days? My venom is good and natural and apparently uh, nonstop <laughs> without me ever eating, I guess. Or maybe he gets magically fed. I'm guessing as part of this, or maybe the snake did a bad thing. Maybe this is part of the snake's punishment. Maybe. Sigan's name translates to victory giver. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. It's quite the little victory she's given him now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Loki was the son of giants, but he became allied with the Aesir when he swore blood brotherhood with Odin. For those of you who have not seen the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he's a trickster, always out for himself. He will be on the side of the giants in Ragnarok, the Twilight of the Gods. And he has a couple of children by Sigan, Vali and Nari. And uh, one of them got turned into a wolf and then tore the entrails out of the other one. Yep. And uh, there's actually two stories, and they flip who that is. Okay. So it's really not important it's which not child important. One of them. was the wolf. They're not important. They're both dead. He also has children by the giantess Angbroda, uh-huh. which are Jormungandr, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing right, the world serpent. That's literally the world serpent. Yeah. That's one of Loki's kids. Cool. And Fenris, the wolf, who's supposed yeah. to eat the moon, I believe, is also one of his children. Uh, and Hel, H-E-L, the goddess of death in the Norse mythos, is also the child of Loki. Neat. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, he's got some uh, pretty fancy kids there. Yeah. Yeah. Odin shows up mm-hmm. to uh, stop this madness yeah. or to pause it. Uh, well, actually, I do want to talk about um, Ragnarok. Not yeah. everyone knows what Ragnarok is. Sure. It's the Norse apocalypse, right? Yeah, it's basically the you-can't-avoid-it end of the Norse mythos world, like where Thor is going to die because he's going to kill the world serpent, but he's going to drown in its poison. No. Uh, it's technically venom, but all the stories say poison. Yeah. It's probably translated from some other, some other language anyway, so sure. it it's whatever. Uh, the, the bad stuff that comes out of a snake. And uh, Loki will fight on the side of the giants and all of that stuff. It's it's the, yeah it's their end of the world, yeah. which they know is coming but is unavoidable. Ooh, mm-hmm. it's got the coolest name of all the apocalypses. Mm-hmm. Ragnarok. Yeah, and it's the reason why the Valkyrie are keep gathering the souls of brave warriors. Yeah, because they will rise up during Ragnarok to help fight for uh, Asgard. You got to collect your brave warriors, or else what are you going to do during Ragnarok? Yeah, 
Yeah, well, you can just leave them lying around unused in yeah. your great war with the giants. Yeah, they get in the way if you leave them cluttered about. You got to collect them, put them in baskets. Yeah. Of course, I would say, how about advance your technology so that, you know, invest in some anti-giant technology. So you have laser beam Ragnarok. Sure, right? The giants show up and you're like, oh, yeah, we put some uh, orbital par- particle cannons up in the sky. And uh, Thor had this really good idea of putting giant metal beams in orbit that have like little launch rockets and guidance fins on them. He calls them Mjolnir. And it's basically dropping giant girders from space with tiny laser guidance systems on them. There should be one coming through your skull right now. And then dropping from orbit, a big spike hits a giant in the head. Remind me to never go to Apocalypse War against you. Let's be on the same side during Apocalypse War. Yeah. Let's, let's do I, Pact. Let's do Apocalypse War Pact. <laughs> yeah, I could. Uh, well, it's it's just unfair. I've read enough myth and science fiction to know that the tremendous amount of potential energy up in space is uh, like astounding. Yeah. Like there's no reason to. This is I'm going off on a side tangent <laughs> here now because we're never going to talk about alien invasion. There's no reason to invade with ground troops to take over the world, just drop rocks on us. Yep. Don't give them ideas, Joe. They might be listening. I, if they know how to get here, they know that. <laughs> that's why we have to be nice. Like, right there, that's why. Because we're at the bottom of a huge potential energy well. Oh, boy. Those who live at the bottom of a giant potential energy well would best to be kind to their neighbors. Huh. So they have a chat? So they have a chat. And during this chat... Loki's not happy. No, he's very angry. And during his big angry one, you can actually see like his lips look really weird. They're puckered. It's not that they're puckered. What it is is they were sewn shut with an awl, okay. like a leather working hole punch. Ooh. To basically put a leather strap through his mouth to put his mouth closed. They didn't even give him grommets. So this is because of something that's ended up being known as Loki's wager. These dwarves named Etri and Brock we're really upset at Loki because Loki had declared these other smiths to be the greatest in the world. And the dwarves oh. were like, are you kidding? We're the best smiths. Like, uh-huh. we're dwarves. This is what we do. Yeah. And they made a bet that they could make better items than these other smiths had made. The gods would judge. Okay. If they won, they would get Loki's head. Oh. And if he won, they would he would get their heads. So they, uh-huh. bet, they bet decapitation against each other. I don't know why. But what if the other ones win? The ones that aren't them. The one if the that's Loki. Loki's betting on the other ones. Oh, okay. Basically. Cool. But the but these other craftsmen who make the better thing in the world, if they make the better thing, they don't get anything for it. No. Huh. They get rewarded by the gods. I don't know. Chumps. Okay. Sure. I <laughs> Despite Loki's attempted trickery during the manufacturing of these items, like he kept turning into things to bother them. He uh-huh. ended up, I think, turning into a mosquito and st- or a bug and stinging one of them. Ooh. He stung one of them in the eye <gasps> while they were making Mjolnir. <gasps> and that's why the giant warhammer has a tiny handle. Oh, so it's this mighty, powerful warhammer that's supposed to be, you know, a big two-handed weapon that you swing around and smash into people's skulls. Yeah. But while it was being made, the dwarf got stung by Loki and, oh, the handle's only big enough for one hand. See, I thought it was like that so it'd fit on the carry-on luggage. <laughs> so despite all of that, those dwarves won the bet. Okay. And they said, we get to have Loki's head. And, oh. the, and the gods were like, you're right, let's go get him. And they, they captured him. And Loki argued 
that, hey, okay, you won the bet for my head, but you didn't get any of my neck. And so how are you going to take my head without cutting any of my neck off? And they had this whole discussion about how they could possibly do that and decided that there was no way that they could do it without arguing that they were taking part of the neck that they had no right to. And so the gods declared that the bet was null and void. Oh, wow. Lucky Loki. And uh, But in exchange for his lies and trickery, the dwarves sewed his lips shut. (laughs) And uh, he still got the scars. And now Loki's wager is known as a form of logical fallacy, which it's the unreasonable insistence that a concept cannot be defined and therefore cannot be discussed. And you can overcome this fallacy either by establishing a reasonable working definition of the term on an issue or by showing that the other party is being unreasonable and avoiding the argument by using this fallacy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what would be a real world example of that? Uh, By saying that God is unknowable. Okay. Right. And so you, you can't prove God doesn't exist because like whatever definition of God I bring up is just only a tiny part of it. Yeah. You get around that by going, okay, well, let's talk about the idea of a personal God and actually having an influence on the real world. Uh, it's like pound of flesh, but drop of blood. Yeah. It's a lot like that. That's, that's what I thought of as well. Right? Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Pound of flesh. In the flesh. Merchants of Venice when, uh, the punishment of one of the characters is that he's to have a pound of flesh cut out. But then the, I think, town magistrate or whoever, the judge at the time says, well, you are entitled to a pound of this man's flesh, but not to a drop of his blood. And so mm-hmm. you can only have the pound of flesh if you can get it without dropping his blood. Uh, it yeah. wasn't, it was uh, one of the female leads dressed up as a magistrate, actually. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> yeah. And the, I mentioned Emir's bones. Emir was the first being he was one of the first things created in the universe. All of creation was formed from his body. Oh. So swearing on Amir's bones basically means swearing on all of creation. Huh. Cool. So Odin has a plan. He has heard that hell is empty. Yeah. And that Dream has the key to it and probably doesn't know what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And Odin also explains, this is the summary of what's going on, is he knows he can't avoid Ragnarok. That yeah. Asgard will fall. Yeah. Right? But he's like, but what if we ran away to hell and we owned hell? So how about that? So then the prophecy comes true, but we're safe in this other place that's really powerful. Mm, Our house is going to burn down. So what if we go find a new house to live in so Mm -hmm. we don't get trapped in the burning house? Right. Yeah. I can dig it. Loki's clever. He gets it. Ah. And then they leave. Stripped of their function. His lovers wait in the cavern beneath the world. The woman, the snake, waiting for him to return. His lovers. Yeah. That snake has feelings for Loki. Okay. Still doesn't have a name. The bowl isn't dear to him either. The bowl that has been shielding his face for all these many years. Bowls are objects. Sure. Don't anthropomorphize a bowl. Bowl should have had a name. Bowly. The dreaming. I am back. And you can see behind him, there's even a startled mystery shadowy figure. Yeah. What's going on with that? I think in the script that basically is just uh, something shadow, like a an unspeakable something in the shadows also being surprised that he's shown up. So we see uh, Matthew going, Ark! and Lucian and Kane are kind of surprised to see him. He just kind of shows up at the door. Nobody expected him to be back. He had last they saw, he had said... Well, 
gonna go fight Lucifer, I guess. I might not come back. Remember that last time? So here we go. And they're like, wow, he's probably gone. And then what's it been, an hour? <laughs> he showed, I'm back. I'm back. What? Uh, did, did you win? <laughs> <laughs> no. Was there a fight? Did you get the woman you were looking for? Did Lucifer give you any trouble? No, no, and no. So what happened, my lord? I'll tell you later. <laughs> he goes to mope. <laughs> like So mopey. Right. I mean, I, I can understand why. Like, this is not, I don't think this is that he didn't get what he wanted. He was trying to be good. He was trying to go get Nada. Yeah. And then instead... Right? He had just focused on his goal. Well, I got to go risk my life to correct this wrong I've done. And now he can't correct, not only can he not correct the wrong he's done, he's also got this whole other problem. Yeah, he's got this, he's got this empty house he has to flip. Mm-hmm. And that's just a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. In this economy? <laughs> the script noticed that Lucian sits like someone who doesn't sit very often and isn't very good at it. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I can agree. <laughs> it's like a little dog. All right, over on the next page. Oh. We meet Thor, the red-headed, bearded Thor. Yes, mm-hmm. much redhead. Much less uh, Marvel, blonde-haired, blue-eyed. In the first few shots of him, he looks like a bodybuilder who has skipped a few too many leg days. <laughs> yeah. But by the time you see him later in the issue at Dream's Place, he seems a little more proportioned. Yeah, well, he's very artistically proportioned. He also yeah. has a tiny little hammer, the way that they're showing yeah, it. Yeah, it's so cute. And he's got tiny hands to match. Yeah. And Loki is standing by, is hiding behind <laughs> yes. Odin and saying, well, aren't you pleased to see me? It's been 1,200 years, cousin. <laughs> like hiding behind, using yeah. Odin as a meat shield. Yeah, like as much as you can see in one tiny one panel is shit-eating grin. Yep. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Thor thinks this is a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. He's not into it, but for some reason he'll do it anyway. So he goes and he he gets his goats in their harnesses. Yes, Thor rides in a... Flying chariot pulled by two goats. Love it. So good. Oh, there's even more. Yes, their names are Tangnost and Tangrizni. But at night, Thor could kill and eat the goats, and it would feed him and his entire party. And then in the morning, the skin and bones would become goats again, and he could get pulled around. Oh, I want that in a fantasy game. (laughs) I know, right? Even if they don't fly, I just want like a goat steed that I can (laughs) eat at night, and then it comes back, and like it's okay with it, or like it makes our relationship really weird. Yeah, but these days, why wouldn't you just have an item that magically gives you food? Because it's cooler that it's a goat you, you kill to, every night. Right. And that your relationship with is very strained. I think that says more about you than it says about the coolness of certain magic items. Yeah, sometimes you got to play a barbarian, and sometimes it gets a little weird. Uh-huh. Aye, to dreams, says Loki, running on the sky beside them. <laughs> and Odin is just, is he in the chariot? Odin's just chilling. Uh, the script actually does give the artist the option of putting him on Sleipnir. 
the eight-legged horse of Odin. Uh-huh. And Neil mentions the difficulty of drawing an eight-legged horse properly yes. and mentioning also, I haven't actually seen it done right yet. No. And says maybe you could do it so that it actually looks like it's riding so fast that it has eight legs rather than actually having eight legs, which I think is really cool. But he said, but look, if you don't want to bother, just put him in the chariot with Thor. Yeah. I can see it being very difficult to make an yeah. eight-legged horse. So much of a horse's body is just muscles attached to legs. The legs are spindly, but it's it's where they connect that seem to be pretty meaty. They just start to look real M.C. Escher. You put that many legs on a horse. Yeah, it's difficult to see where they should put them. Yeah. Unless it's part spider, I guess. Could you start doing it more spidery? Could you make a horse with spider legs? Oh, yeah. Okay, artists, get to it. We need to see a, an eight-legged in a spider-style horse. None yeah. of this just take four-legged horse and add four more legs. We need to see that body spread out a bit more, get a little more triangular. Yeah. Like maybe, Or maybe it's got the, the thorax in the middle and he sits in the middle. Huh. Somebody's got to be able to figure Cause this out. That's the thing about those big quadrupeds, right? Is that they've got the kind of body design where all the muscle goes up onto the torso for each leg. And then they have a long, spindly, um, rather thin uh, extremity, which is why they can generate so much speed. Oh, you found a you found a spider horse. There's a spider horse. It's just kind of a Photoshop. It's not Sleipnir. But... I can totally dig that. Especially right? if the horse had eight eyes. But here's the thing. If it had a horse face, but then with spider eyes. I would go, I would make the legs more horse-like though, right? Use oh yeah, the give them same. hooves at the end. Like, okay, this is a thing that we need to have an artist in on. I could just draw this. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, next up, we're in the dreaming. Dream. Yeah, this is actually, the script mentions that this is Dream's private quarters, which we haven't seen before. And he's chilling. He has a uh, a stone version of one of his gatekeepers Mm -hmm. uh which gatekeeper is that do you remember that's the griffin the griffin Mm -hmm. gatekeeper and he's just kind of brooding he's holding the key he's thinking about his conversation with lucifer Yeah, flashback panel and uh i think at a certain point he just straight up punches a mirror is that what he's doing there yeah punches a mirror he appears to because of perspective also have tiny hands yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> and he's barren is that a smile or a grimace i think it's a grimace that's a grimace and, and then the mirror fixes itself and no he puts his hands up hand up and fixes it that's uh-huh. his hand i think fixing that mirror okay and then i he think he throws off mirror. his cloak yeah and he just sits on the ground and pouts mm-hmm. wearing his boots and his dark jeans and his tank top yep he's having a rough time yeah Poor guy. And then we get to meet Order and Chaos. Yeah, this was really confusing to me at first. I just was confused if it was like the same message or something. And then I realized it's just two opposites having the same conversation. Order and Chaos are two opposed sets of beings that are actually seen in the DC Comics. There are a couple of different takes on them, as it were. Generally, Order is better right order is generally the good and chaos is generally the bad okay and the lords of order and chaos actually go all the way back to more fun comics number 55 the first appearance of dr fate that's only three issues after that more fun comics 52 that we talked about with the first appearance of the specter ah they are typically seen as like higher order beings and uh the the things that give power to other they're the reasons why certain heroes have superpowers Oh. So Dr. Fate is empowered by the Lords of Order. 
And uh, do you think you would be empowered by order or chaos if you are superpower? I'm quite, I think I'm very much in the middle of order and chaos. I think I, so too. I choose one or the other depending on the good it does. Yeah. I, I live think, with you, and I think that I can attest to you being in the middle of those two. I, I think that there is a lot of things that orderliness is a very good trait to have in, and I yeah. think that there are a lot of other things that you should just kind of be more fluid in and let it kind of happen. <laughs> well, good. Then yeah. you're neither good nor evil. You are human. I don't think order and chaos... It's very much the... the can you make me nerd out about D&D alignments and stuff right now? <laughs> But like order and chaos is is law and chaos, right? And you've got lawful good and lawful evil, and you've got chaotic good and chaotic evil in Dungeons and Dragons. You've got neutrals and stuff in the middle as well. But it, like the extremes are good as examples of, I think, you know, you can have a lawful evil like society. Yeah. You can have a society that has a lot of laws and the laws are bad for a lot of people and they're only good for certain people. And that makes it evil. And then, you, you know, the same thing with chaos. I think freedom is great, but sometimes... When you have too much freedom, people do things that harm other people and make it so their lives aren't good, and that makes it not good. So, I don't know. I, I just want to choose the good one. I'm neutral good, I guess. Good. Yeah. I like that. Anyway, the main idea of this conversation is that mm. both sides here, both order and chaos, are choosing an emissary right. to head in. Yeah, it's also kind of a commentary that neither of them is all that really different, especially like when you look at the Lords of Order and Chaos, they're, they're just names. Yeah. They're just names. Neither of them's really good or evil. I mean, Order might end up caring about humans a little more often, but only when those humans fit in with what they assume to be Order is. So, <laughs> right? Even the art in the background. Chaos is really just a warped version of Order. Yeah. Right? But And they have the same message. Um, should, and there's this, what should we do? Let's get somebody and send them. Okay. Yes. And the, the ambassador chosen by order is Kilderkin of order. Mm -hmm. And the envoy chosen by chaos is shivering Jemmy of the shallow brigade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then we're back to the dreaming. Mm -hmm. Dream has changed outfits. And I love this because I watched you read this <laughs> and expected you to like do a fist pump in victory because your prediction for this issue it wasn't much of a prediction because it was just this one thing but you're gonna get full points for it is that he would because he didn't last time and she berated him ask death for help yeah and he does it's exactly what he does yeah i didn't celebrate because i usually can't remember my predictions <laughs> when i'm reading and it comes to me later we're back in a gallery and we see everybody's sigils and again we see in this one, instead of Dream Sigil, we see Dream's face. Remember when we saw Desire Sigil, we saw Desire's face? Their own yeah. sigil in their gallery is a mirror. They just see themselves. Oh. That's why that is. And in other people's gallery, you would see the heart that is Desire's. Mm. There's also a blank one and next to him. there's a blank one next to him. Probably. The prodigal. The prodigal, his missing brother. Mm -hmm. any, now, any guesses on who that is? No. No, okay. I I don't I have no idea I haven't sat down with a dictionary open to the letter D. <laughs> well, that would kind of be cheating. Well, I mean, can you blame me? <laughs> and so he talks to his sister. He gets really fancily dressed to talk to his sister, and I yep. don't really understand why. Yeah, I 
didn't see it in the script either, like why he did. There's certainly a lot of describing what she was like, and she comes across exactly in that way here, which is, you know, she's just cool and dressed nice uh, and fun, but also very busy. <laughs> and he even talks to her in a very formal way. He's not even whiny. It's like maybe he feels like he needs to dress formally because he still feels that he's sort of in the wrong or he's trying to not seem like he's down in the dumps Mm -hmm. well maybe he hasn't fixed the wrong that he did yeah so i think maybe he is worried that he's still gonna do wrong and wants to check in with the person who told him he was doing wrong okay remember she's the one who finally said you did wrong and he listened to her and went to hell so now he's like so i tried that (laughs) (laughs) and this happened so i totally get it that he would ask her but She's really busy, and also it's not a big deal compared to the problem she's dealing with, which is the dead are coming back. Yeah, she's like, I got a lot on my plate right now. Like, I'm sorry that you got this free house or whatever, this free realm, um, Mm -hmm. the most valuable piece of psychic property in the land. (laughs) Uh, But I kind of have to deal with whatever the dead coming back to life actually means. Yeah. Zombies. Wow, who knows? And she just says, you'll figure out something. And soon, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> the way that she's still talking when he turns off her sigil, it really sounds like he doesn't care what she's dealing with. No, I think she turned it off and he's reaching out to her. That is a reaching out hand. Ah. That is a no, don't go. Okay. But the dead are coming back, little brother. The dead are coming back. Ah, I guess that makes sense. Because she's busy. Yeah. She's like, look, I have to run. There's a whole can of worms opened up here, and no one else seems to be doing anything about it. I'm doing what I can, but the dead are coming back, little brother. The dead are coming back. Yikes. At least all the ones that went to hell. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Speaking of hell, not quite heaven. The Silver City. Mm -hmm. We mentioned the Silver City before from the Spectre. It was mentioned there. I don't believe it was ever drawn. I think this is the first time the Silver City has ever been shown in comics. Huh. So Mm -hmm. in the Spectre, do they always draw all their angels as blonde-haired white guys? I don't know if they've shown them there. Okay. But the script does say to draw them identically. Okay. Yeah. Just saying, noticing a trend here in your angels. (laughs) Comic. Well, there's one with orange hair. (laughs) Where? The top of... uh, the top panel with the the laurels. It's got red, more red in his hair than blonde. Oh, boy. <laughs> you really cracked that Aryan nut. I'm, I'm also pretty sure that they are not actually male. Okay. That they're Ken dolls down there. Oh, oh yeah. We did get that one shot of Lucifer, and he didn't have any junk in the yeah. last um, issue. Yeah. Huh. And while that does definitely come across as male... And that is a problem. I think they're supposed to be neutral. I really had more of a problem with the overwhelming whiteness of all the <laughs> angels. I don't know if that kind of came out at all in the way I was talking. I'll, yeah. 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 Well, this is a pretty overwhelmingly white comic series as well. It's, yeah, it's pretty, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're talking about the Silver City. Mm-hmm. The inhabitants of the city were created in the same breath as the city itself in the darkness before time. Before the first dawn, the Silver City was. It is not paradise. It is not heaven. 
it is the silver city that is not part of the order of created things. So it's a, it's a angel guard. It's yeah. the city of angels. It's not like a part of all the other created things. No. It's better. <laughs> yeah. Two angels now take wing. Duma, mm-hmm. angel of silence. Uh, Duma actually does mean silence. They are an angel of death in Jewish folklore. And uh, they're one to whom you have to give account. They are both the angel of silence and the stillness of death. Uh-huh. They are also the tutelary angel of Egypt and of vindication. And at least one source calls him a prince of hell. Cool. But apparently Neil didn't know that when he wrote this. Huh. Duma. And the other one is Ramiel. Ramiel or Ramiel is one of the seven archangels who attend the throne of God and is stated in Enoch, which is one of the apocryphal uh, books of the Bible. He is called Jeremiel or Uriel in various translations and is described as one of the holy angels whom God has set over those who rise. And in brackets, it says here from the dead. So he's the God of bread. Ha <laughs> ha Yes. Not- the- Leavened bread, not unleavened bread. That's right. The God of leavened bread. Not the God of Pita or Nan. That's right. Pita and Nan are two completely different angels. Yes. Those are the non-white ones you're looking for. This is the God of white bread. (laughs) Wonder bread. Excellent. Well, we've cracked that case. (laughs) Uh, but they fly away from the Silver City, together in perfect mm-hmm. unison, shiny wings bearing them effortlessly across the void. Yeah, falling towards the world. And then we get to see, I guess that's reality below them, that mm. they're falling towards. So it this looks is like the universe. Of, yeah, that's the universe, and they exist in the Silver City, which is above it. Oh, above everything. Yeah, because, mm. you know. Next up, a drastically different landscape is Limbo. Limbo, which is uh, literally nothingness. Yeah. And we have a literal mouthpiece. Yeah, this is Azazel. He was one of the three rulers of hell back when it was a triumvirate. Yeah. In Sandman number four. He's the toothy one. We are outcasts. We are exiles. We are dispossessed. For too long we have been downtrodden. No longer brothers, sisters, others, all of us. At this moment, in this our trough of despair, it may seem like the greatest setback we have ever experienced, but it is the greatest opportunity. (laughs) He's, He's good at giving speeches. Yesterday we were creatures of hell. Today we are homeless, banished to this drear limbo but tomorrow oh glorious tomorrow tomorrow we shall have hell again as our domain and he's preaching a new hell a forward-looking hell a progressive hell that recognizes individual worth oh wow a democratic hell that's not what it's always promised to be right but in which a demon can raise its head or any other important member high and say, this is my land and no one is ever going to take it away from me again. Basically reveals the plan. We're going to go to Dream. Yep. And I'm going to bring Merkin, the patron demon of pubic wigs, <laughs> whose womb spawns spiders, apparently. Yeah. And Karanzan, who we met before, the one who had Dream's Helm for so long. Yeah. And they're going to go, and they're bringing Nada. Yep, they, they have are, a hostage. They're the ones who grabbed her. And they she's, have a bargaining chip. 
still bound up and naked. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I will tell you, we got confirmation out of the script. She's 16 years old still. 10,016 years yeah. old? Yeah. Okay. Back to the dreaming. In Sandman number 22, Dream's Castle was in the sea. Here it's on a hill. Yeah. Well, it begins... tall, Brian Froud-like mountain is what the script describes it as. Well, yeah. In the first shot, it's just kind of all pretty and it's got clouds and some trees are on the bottom and uh, and Matthew is flying next to it. And then in the next moment, suddenly it's kind of... It's very Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. I can imagine the Grinch lives at the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Matthew also notices this, and he flies off <laughs> to go find his friend Eve. Well, I think it was there we're pulling away. Oh, sure. That we saw the close shot pull away to this. Mm. Not that it's always been there. He's put it there. Anyway, he goes and speaks to Eve. Yeah. Now, Eve looks different in every panel. She sure does. She seems to be getting younger. Yeah, she is. She goes through this cycle, it seems. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Maybe going through it quickly because of Dream. I'm not sure. Hmm. Maybe just because they only have a page to get her info out and Mm -hmm. we wanted to see it. Mm Mm-hmm. And their conversation is about how Matthew is saying Dream is getting all pouty and hiding and Eve is like, yeah, he does that. Mm -hmm. You haven't been here very long, but sometimes he gets rather antisocial and retreats and we just have to wait through it. And we're back to Morpheus again, moping in the room. And his griffin statue is uh, interrupting him. Mm-hmm. My lord. Go away. We have visitors at the gate. My lord, there are many of them. Tell them to go away. I'm not receiving visitors at this time. But they are envoys, my lord. I, I recognize a few of them. Some have been here before as honored guests. Some of them are gods. All of them are puissant. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What does puissant mean? Powerful. Oh. Hmm. Could have just said powerful. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, we find out the gatekeepers could not keep all of them away. Not unless Dream gave them strength, gave them power. Enough. And Dream says to let them in. It takes a little beat there to think. He's, you know, he's even got a five o'clock shadow. Yep. Going on. It's obvious he's moped for quite some time, but it looks like a little bit of a smile at the end. Maybe a forced one. Mm-hmm. Now, is it just me or does this Griffin kind of want Dream to give him some power to fight them? That's what that kind of felt like to me, that string mm-hmm. of, of, not unless you lend us power, my lord. Well, it's the guardian at the gate, and maybe it thinks that fighting a great fight full of power against a bunch of gods would be a really cool story. I don't know. Yeah. It Also, I like to think of it as, to me, as factual. But they are envoys, my lord. I recognize a few of them. Some have been here before as honored guests. Some of them are gods. All of them are puissant. We gatekeepers cannot keep them all out should they take it to force their way in. Not unless you lend us power, Lord. Not unless you lend us strength. I think he's just going through and like a computer going, there are too many of them. I recognize them from before. They're very powerful. Mm. We could try to stop them, but you would have to give us power. You would have to give us strength because I've done the math and and Dream is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh. I understand. You can't hold them back. Unless I help you and you fight and the fighting is going to be a problem and you're explaining this all to me very slowly because I'm being mopey and you've finally broken me out of it that I now cannot stay here any longer and do nothing. Ah. Uh. 
I guess I'm kind of reading it as Griffin would kind of like a power up. It could be fun. Maybe I, he's kind of into it. I and, certainly think that's a way. That's one of the things you can read. Yeah. You can read it that way. I think you can. What shall we do, my lord? But for that, I would have to. We are going to have to base it on what happens to Griffin later and how ready they are to want more power and stuff. Oh. I think. I think. I think it's possible. Okay. Well, I'll hold my head cannon. Sure. And you hold your head cannon, mm-hmm. and we'll see where they go. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Thor is not a very patient man. No. Tell you again, if you don't open this fart-sucking door, then my hammer Mjolnir will smash it into toothpicks. Ha! I am the mighty Thor. I have spoken to my lord. He apologizes for the delay and bids you all welcome. He will greet you in his throne room. Enter and announce yourselves. He's being polite. I don't know. And we get to meet the different pantheons here. Now, this Thor doesn't look like he skips leg day. Maybe he doesn't do it quite as often as he does bulging right shoulder day. I think it's forearm day. It's like forearm and hand day that he misses. (laughs) I don't think it makes your hands bigger to work them (laughs) out. (laughs) But look at him. (sighs) Hilarious. Mm -hmm. Also, he's just wearing the tiniest outfit. Yes. Yeah. Like, is that even a vest he's I, wearing? I don't know if it's a vest or if it's just two strips of leather over his shoulders. <laughs> it's like a bow tie that he didn't tie up. He just left open. Yeah. Yeah. It is odd that he's not hairy all over, though. Like, he really just should be a big hairy beast, too. Mm. Mm. But I, hair is hard to draw. He I totally don't. I don't blame you. Uh, and Mjolnir is so tiny. <laughs> I know. He's so little. Uh. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to talk about. The Guardians before, because we'd seen them before. Yeah. Right? Especially as little, uh, we've seen them as just drawings around things, like metalwork in a gate. And in the kitty cat and one. And then the kitty cat one, we saw them. Uh, and then this one, they seem like just big, epic-looking versions of those. Neil does insist on calling the winged horse a hippogriff, but I don't know why. Yeah. Because I can't. It's a Pegasus. Well, Pegasus was the name of a winged horse. Yeah. And I think it's come in relatively modern times, especially with like Dungeons and Dragons, just calling it a Pegasus. But I believe that was the name of the horse. And don't forget, My Little Pony has definitely solidified the Pegasus. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Yeah. Into a new generation. It's it's like Xerox becoming the word for photocopy. Oh. I got to Xerox this stuff. And we see... I'm not sure where these are from, but these are Assyrian winged bulls that are called Lamassu, the drawings that are on the front here. Mm-hmm. They are made of the bearded head of a man, the body of a lion, the wings of an eagle, and the feet of a bull. I'm not sure why they're added on there as well. Probably just art or some cool old school stuff or pointing out who's not there. Huh. Anyway, I just wanted to mention it's cool to see the guardians, like actually see them. The dragon doesn't seem to have any wings. The dragon is actually described in the script as a wyvern. Uh, but a wyvern has bottom legs and wings instead of arms. Yeah, you're right. I'm right. The wyvern is supposed to have two legs and... Uh, two wings. Two wings. Like the uh, Game and of a, Thrones dragons are wyverns. serpent's tail, yeah. Yeah. Nerd alert, me. Yeah, Neil gets it wrong. This one has boils on its back, too. Icky. So back to the gods... After a meeting our Asgardian residents, we get to see Anubis. Yeah, Anubis, Lord of the Dead of the Nile Delta. With him is Bast, Lady of Cats, and Bess, a household deity. I've never heard of Bess. I've heard of Bast, though. 
Yeah, Best was also a god of luck and fertility. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, house god means one of the lesser ones, right? That means that the people would worship them rather mm. than the aristocracy, I think. Okay. Bess is an ancient Egyptian deity worshipped as a protector of households and in particular of mothers and children and childbirth. Bess later came to be regarded as the defender of everything good and the enemy of all that is bad. Oh, cool. And their speech, Anubis's speech, is done in a sort of... It has its own kind of stylized writing. It's... I would say more Greek. Yeah. It looks more Greek. Uh-huh. But remember that Egypt had a lot of trade with Greece. Yeah. Across the the uh, Mediterranean there. Anyway, sure. regardless, um, Anubis has his own font. Mm-hmm. Now, the next character, Subusano Ono Mikoto, mm-hmm. has the normal font, but then just the first T of each paragraph yeah. is done all weird, and I don't know why. Oh, that's actually in the script where Neil asks, says, maybe you can find a neat Japanese looking font or perhaps just do the drop caps at the beginning of of it. Okay. So he's supposed to get his own, but if they couldn't find something easily readable. And this is the 90s where you weren't exactly able to just call up a huge list of fonts somewhere and then use them, especially get the rights to use them. Oh, yeah. You'd have to pay for each one. Okay. So uh, it's possible it's it's just the standard font, and then he's found something. He's just done the T's manually. Mm. So who is this guy? Susano Ono Mikoto is, I mean, that does mean his brave, swift, impetuous male Augustness. His father was Izanagi, which means the male who invites, uh, and his Izanagi's younger sister is a Nami. They were both born soon after the separation of heaven and earth, and they're both the primeval creator gods of the cycle. After visiting the underworld one time, Izanagi washed himself. The sun goddess Amaterasu resulted from washing his left eye, the moon god from his right eye, and Susano Ono Makato, brave, swift, impetuous male, came from his nose. Oh, Susanna, so he washed his nose and this guy popped out. Yeah. Susano Ono Makoto is the god of thunderstorms who always shouts. He is both good and evil and often displays the traits of a trickster. Huh. What a neat origin. And then uh, our demons show up in style. Merkin is shadowed in such a way that we can't tell whether or not she's wearing a Merkin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We meet them. They see they're very direct about what they want. Susano just says he wishes a discussion that might be had at some point concerning territory. Mm. Doesn't reveal himself. Yeah, whereas the demons, we seek the return of our lands. Mm-hmm. And then we get to meet, well, at least the personal slave of Lord Kilderkin. Yeah. And Lord Kilderkin has been incarnated for them in the form of a cardboard box. Very orderly. Yes. He wishes to discuss the disposal of the realm that was once Lucifer's. Yeah. And uh, then we have Shivering Jemmy, a <laughs> child in an oversized robe holding a balloon and, uh, wearing, and with clown makeup. Yeah, and a clown nose. I is Shivering Jemmy of the Shallow Brigade, and I is a princess of chaos, and I is very important, and we wants hell too. That's what. 
I really enjoy the way that the angels look here. I, I hadn't kind of noticed this before, but they're drawn with very as thin lines as possible. There's a lot of shading on them, mm-hmm. but it's like they're glowing from within kind of, right? Yeah. That, that their own glow is overwhelming any shadows they've got so that the darkest they can get is some cross hatching or just some straight line hatching there. I am the angel Remiel set over those that rise. My companion is Duma, angel of silence. We are here to observe. They're here to watch. And then Dream wants his big, uh, if he can't have the big entrance, he wants everybody to enter onto him big. Yeah, he's got the tallest door as well. Yeah, and here he is all dressed up. Yeah, these are some fancy Dream duds. Mm-hmm. I welcome you to the heart of the Dreaming. I extend my hospitality to you all. Sweets for you are being prepared, and your wishes regarding nourishment and recreation will be catered for insofar as we are able to provide. You all, or almost all, seek the same thing, this key and what it represents, the empty hell that once was Lucifer's. But you have journeyed far to come here this day. You will be shown to your rooms. Tonight there will be a banquet for you and for any others who may arrive meanwhile. And tomorrow, we'll talk. Dun, dun, dun. And he's got as close to a shit-eating grin as Dream has ever had, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he looks pretty happy. Yeah, he's cleaned himself up. He's wearing about the fanciest duds we've ever seen him wear. And he's worn some pretty fancy duds. He's just holding that key. He is holding the key going, look what I got. I think he's holding a cane too. He's got- It's a scepter. It has like a thing on the end. It's probably like a scepter of office, right? He's he's letting everybody know how official he is. Yeah. Yeah. He got all dressed up. He grew his hair a little longer. Mm-hmm. He went all mullety. He puffed the top up and yeah. let the let the rest of it hang yeah. nice and long. Yeah. Yeah. I also didn't mention both Killerkin and Shivering Jemmy are new. They have not appeared anywhere before. <gasps> They're brand new characters. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So there we go. We are, we're on chapter three. Yeah. There are six chapters and an epilogue. Ooh. So we actually have four to go. Okay. Now I'm going to give you a little hint. For the next one, the next one does not continue this part of this storyline. Okay. Oh, and then I know what happens next. Okay. What do you think is going to happen next? Well, next, Mm -hmm. we're going to go to death and find out what's going on with the zombie apocalypse that's happening (laughs) because all the dead are coming back. That's it. It's going to be death's episode about, about the dead coming back. And where will it be set? Everywhere the dead are coming Every, back. So it's worldwide, hopping all over. It's not picking just one place. Y- y- yeah. Okay. All over. Yeah. Okay. Also, you can keep this in the podcast you want, or you can cut it. But his giant door looks like a chocolate bar. <laughs> Who's giant door? The giant door to in the, right before when he's like, "You're all welcome to enter," and they head up the steps. Oh, the one looks oh, like a chocolate bar. <laughs> yes, it does. Delicious. So he's got sweets for them and sweets. Mm-hmm. So next up, we've got, I'm assuming, death fighting hordes of zombies. Well, we're going to have to find out if that's what happens next episode. You've been dreaming of the Sandman, issue 24, season of mist, chapter three. For show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com. Support future episodes at patreon.com slash thedreaming. Like us on Facebook. Rate and review us on your favorite podcast app, including Google Play Music and iTunes. 
Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Engel. Hear more at kaiengel.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and tsleil Nations. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up.